impressive carrying skills, right? I got some Bud Lights for us. On April 1st, the transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney posted a video to her Instagram. It was a sponsored post for Bud Light, highlighting a contest the beer brand was running for March Madness. So, I kept hearing about this thing called March Madness, and I thought we were all just having a hectic month, but it turns out it has something to do with sports. And I'm not sure... She talked about March Madness and this contest. That's our colleague Jennifer Maloney. And she also shared that Bud Light had sent her a gift of a a personalized can, and it had her picture on it. And it was to celebrate 365 days after her transition. This month, I celebrated my day 365 of womanhood, and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever, a can with my face on it. Check out my Instagram story. The post itself was pretty standard, the kind of thing influencers post all the time. But the response to it was unusual. This morning, backlash brewing against Bud Light over its product placement deal with TikTok star Dylan Mulvaney, a trans... Some Bud Light drinkers objected to the beer partnering with a transgender influencer, and they took their anger out on the brand. U.S. retail sales of Bud Light fell roughly 21% amid the controversy compared to the previous year. Why did you pull Bud Light from your bar in downtown Nashville? Well, it's real simple, Stu. It's called people aren't ordering it. The strength and duration of the backlash caught Jennifer by surprise. Boycotts blow over. And this one didn't. It gained steam. It also raised a question. One that Jennifer says other brands, not just Bud Light, might also have to answer. In this moment in our country, we are so polarized. And a big brand like Bud Light, you know, can it be welcoming to everyone? Can you continue to expand the tent, welcoming more people in and retain the folks you already have? Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Monday, May 8th. Coming up on the show, the fallout from the Bud Light boycott. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever. And you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. traditionally drinks Bud Light? Who's sort of the Bud Light consumer? Bud Light's for everyone. Bud Light is one of the sort of remaining big, big national brands. People drink it in California. People drink it in New York. People drink it in Texas and North Dakota. The other thing to know about Bud Light is that, yes, it sort of has an an association with rural communities and and, and blue-collar folks, but It also has a long, long history of supporting gay pride parades, for example. Like, going back to the 80s, like, back when it was riskier for a brand to be sponsoring a gay pride parade. So it truly has always tried to be 
a beer for everyone. And it remains America's top beer brand. What you just said makes me think of that ad campaign that Bud Light ran about. Was it was it like Seth Rogen and Amy Schumer that were running on the Bud ticket? They say we're a nation divided. They say we disagree on everything. That's not true. Nothing brings America together like Bud Light. That's why we're forming the Bud Light Party. Just and it was like, yeah, let's just vote for Bud Light. I mean, uh, something everyone can agree on. Right. Bud Light for a long time has been something that everyone could agree on, or a lot of people. But beers like Bud Light have been hurting in recent years. As consumers have turned away from light beer and moved to other drinks, like craft beer, hard seltzer, and cocktails. Last year, Bud Light's U.S. sales volume was down 9%. So, recently, the company that makes Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch InBev, has been trying to turn things around. The company brought in a new vice president for marketing to lead the Bud Light brand, Alyssa Heinerscheid. She was the first woman to lead the brand. And she said that her mandate was to be more inclusive and welcome more people in and, you know, appeal to a broader and a younger audience. Heinerscheid talked about this back in March on a podcast called Make Yourself at Home. I had a really clear job to do when I took over Bud Light. And it was, this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this. And she developed a new marketing campaign that started at the beginning of this year. And their plan was to broaden the brand's appeal. They did that in a few ways. Under Heinerscheid, Bud Light got a new tagline. Easy to drink, easy to enjoy. The brand also spent more on marketing. And during this year's Super Bowl, Bud Light unveiled two new ads. If you think about traditional Bud Light marketing, you generally had a lot of humor in it, being sort of like over-the-top funny and silly. And these ones had a bit of a quieter tone. They're lighthearted, but they're a little bit more sincere, I would say. And these two ads featured women prominently. So one of them had the actor Miles Teller and his wife, Kelly Sperry. And she's on hold. The estimated hold time is now less than... 96 minutes. And he comes over with a couple of Bud Lights and starts an impromptu dance party in the living room with their dog uh, while they listen to the hold music. Sorry, are you still there? Yes. Okay, please hold. So was this new approach that Heinerscheid was taking, was it working? It was working. All of these things combined actually turned Bud Light's sales trends around and they were improving considerably. Hmm. So things were things were looking up for Bud Light. Then came April and Bud Light's sponsored post with Dylan Mulvaney. Check out my Instagram story to see how you can enjoy March Madness with Bud Light and maybe win some money too. Love ya! It was one post by one of the hundreds of influencers Anheuser-Busch works with. The can with Mulvaney's face on it wasn't for sale. It was a gift the sort of thing the company has also done for other people in the past. But that didn't seem to matter. The backlash began the same day as the post. I mean, it happened, like, almost instantaneously. There were calls for a boycott of the Bud Light brand. The musician Kid Rock posted a video on Twitter in which he shot 
cases of Bud Light with a rifle. Let me uh, say something to all you and be as clear and concise as possible. Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch. And then people, as the sort of the boycott grew, as the backlash grew, people dug up this earlier podcast interview that Alyssa Heinerscheid had done. I had a really clear job to do when I took over Bud Light. There was a a video recording of this podcast interview in which she called Bud Light's previous marketing campaigns, described them as having fratty, out-of-touch humor. Kind of of out-of-touch humor, and it was really important (laughs) that we had another approach. And people seized on, on those words and said that she was denigrating Bud Light drinkers. And and people dug up these old college photos off social media, off her Facebook page, showing her drinking at a, at a Harvard party. And they called her a hypocrite. Did this boycott feel any different than boycotts you've seen for other brands in the past? It did. I mean, for one thing, the bomb threats. I mean, that was alarming. Anheuser-Busch received violent threats at several of its facilities, including its Los Angeles brewery. The L.A. Police Department sent a bomb squad to sweep the property. Why was there such a strong reaction to this post from Dylan Mulvaney? It seems to have been the can. The Bud Light can with her picture on it. Hmm. There was a lot of misunderstanding about Dylan Mulvaney's post. Even some bar owners and store owners incorrectly came to believe that that video was a TV commercial or that cans with her face on them were like on store shelves at Kroger. Um, So there was a lot of misunderstanding around it. But, you know, it's important to think about the political and cultural context at this moment in America. Transgender issues have moved to the center of conservative social agendas recently. And so you have moves to curb transgender health care, moves to restrict transgender athletes' sports play and book bans. It's sort of a, an issue right now that is heated mm-hmm. and very much present in debates that are happening in states all across America. And by partnering with a transgender person, Anheuser-Busch took a financial hit. Sales of Bud Light started dropping in the first week of April. and the second week of April, they dropped even further. In the third week of April, they dropped even further. And by the end of the month, Bud Light sales were down 23% compared to the same week a year earlier. Meanwhile, sales at rival brands like Coors Light and Miller Light were up around 20%. So it really looked like consumers were dropping Bud Light and switching directly to its competitors. Totally. After the break, the damage widens. Customers boycotting Bud Light wanted to punish the company that makes it, Anheuser-Busch. But they may not have realized that they were also punishing another group of businesses, Bud Light's distributors, who aren't technically part of Anheuser-Busch. 
Anheuser-Busch makes beer and then it sells it, like cases of it, pallets of it, to wholesalers, also called distributors. And these wholesalers are local businesses across the country who, in many cases, are family-owned businesses that have held the license to distribute Anheuser-Busch products for generations, like a hundred years or more. They have been selling Budweiser and then Bud Light and all the other products that Anheuser-Busch makes. And they're on the front line. So their employees like drive trucks that say Bud Light on them. And they are delivering cases of Bud Light to bars and restaurants and stores. So even though they're not technically part of Anheuser-Busch, the company, to the communities where they where they operate, they very much look like they are the company. Yeah, I mean, they've got it on the truck, right? So how were distributors impacted by this blow-up? They really bore the brunt in many ways of the reaction. The truck drivers driving Bud Light trucks got screamed at by folks on the street. The guys carrying cases into stores got confronted by angry shoppers. The local distributors' offices were inundated with angry calls. The distributors' businesses were also taking a hit. That 23% decline in Bud Light sales, that was the national average. But in some communities, it was a much, much sharper decline. I also want to point out that the boycott spread to encompass other Anheuser-Busch beer brands. Hmm. So it wasn't just Bud Light sales that were affected, but even other brands that until recently had had like strong sales growth, like Michelob Ultra and Bush Light, also took a hit. As the consequences mounted, as sales dropped and distributors began to complain, Anheuser-Busch began making moves to contain the backlash. Some of those moves were aimed at pacifying those distributors. Anheuser-Busch pledged to boost its marketing spending on Bud Light, accelerate production of a new slate of ads. They gave a case of Bud Light to every employee of an Anheuser-Busch wholesaler, and they have given a bonus of $500 to each of those employees. Hmm. It's like, sorry, um, we've created all this trouble for you. Here's $500 and a beer. I mean, I think it's intended to be a gesture to show that, you know, the the company recognizes that these folks, like not only has their business suffered, but they have literally been screamed at over something that was totally outside of their control. Anheuser-Busch InBev also made other moves. The company said it was going to have senior leaders review its brand's marketing from now on. It also placed two of its executives on leave. Alyssa Heinerscheid, who'd been promoted to turn the Bud Light brand around, and her boss. You recently talked to the CEO, Michelle Ducaris, and you asked him about all this. What were your questions to him and what did he say? One thing I asked him was, how does he respond to critics who say that the company should have come out and defended Alyssa Heinerscheid when she came under vicious personal attack? And he said that the safety of the company's people was his number one priority. And you also asked him if he thought that the Dylan Mulvaney post was a mistake. How did he respond? He didn't say yes and he didn't say no. 
Ducaris said the company has massive global campaigns and works with lots of different influencers around the world to carry those messages to different audiences. Is Bud Light going to change its advertising as a result of this, especially when it comes to ads with an LGBTQ focus? So one thing that the CEO, Michelle Ducaris, told me was that the company will continue to support the organizations that they have decades-long relationship with, including LGBT rights groups like GLAAD. But he said that beer marketing should really focus on broad themes such as sports, music, and connecting people. And that the Bud Light marketing campaign that was sort of unveiled with the Super Bowl ads, this theme of easy to drink, easy to enjoy, that is the theme that they are going to continue with this year and and expand on. But easy to drink, easy to enjoy, wasn't that the, the campaign that Alyssa Heinerscheid had helped create? It is. So they're sticking with that. At the end of April, Dylan Mulvaney posted a message on her TikTok account, which has more than 10 million followers. I've been offline for a few weeks, and a lot has been said about me. Some of which she said she's been doing okay, but that the whole thing has been difficult. But I've always tried to love everyone, you know, even the people that make it really, really hard. And I think it's okay to be frustrated with someone or confused. But what I'm struggling to understand is the need to dehumanize and to be cruel. I just, I don't think that's right. Is there a lesson here for other businesses? I think there are a few lessons, and there probably will be more. But one, I think, is to think carefully about who your core constituency is and what are touch points that might be sensitive the risk isn't the same for every brand. But in this case, you know, Bud Light clearly has a lot of drinkers in parts of America where transgender issues are very sensitive. Is it possible for Bud Light to still be the beer for everyone? Or for any brand, for that matter, to be a brand for everyone? I think it remains to be seen whether you can have a brand that is for everyone. Can you bring in younger and more diverse audience while not, you know, alienating um, your older, more conservative audience? I don't know the answer to that question. That's all for today, Monday, May 8th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.